You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. everyone. Uh, those of you who have been coming to chapel know we've been playing this little game. Those of you who haven't been coming to chapel, you're going to see some weird pictures uh, here to start off with. So what, what I decided to do was actually start by talking about how I see myself. Um, how every day when I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, this is how I think of myself. And then realize that when I get in front of the classroom, this is how students are seeing me. So we'll have a couple different sets of, of pictures here. So the, the first way that I see myself is uh, as Keanu Reeves uh, from The Matrix. Um, I'm much more of a Bill and Ted kind of guy. I know none of you know what Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is, but um, more, of a, more of a Ted guy, but a big fan of, of Keanu Reeves. So when I get up in the morning, I, I, I think of myself this way. This is what I see, uh, this is what I see in the mirror. Um, I also think of myself uh, this way. I am Scandinavian. I love to read Norse mythology. Uh, and my daughter, who is a ninth grader, Savannah, this is actually, she loves, she loves Thor. Um, we, <laughs> whenever she has a cold or something like that and needs to take some medicine, my wife, she'll forget. So my wife has printed out a picture of, of Thor and put it on the door as she comes down. It says, Thor says, take your medicine. So she's a, uh, a big fan of Thor. And yeah, so as a Viking, my friends kind of refer to me as a Viking, a lumberjack type, type figure. Um, so these are, the, these are the, the ways in which I see myself. And then I get into the classroom and this is what... Um, this is what happens. Uh, I'm less Thor and I'm more Red Guardian. Uh, David Harbour and I, we, it's very interesting. We're about the same age. Our, our birthdays are very similar to one another. And I've had many people say, you know, you and David Harbour um, look, uh, look a lot alike. And I actually had a student when Black Widow came out, uh, came into the classroom, had seen it before I did, and was like, dude, I just totally saw your doppelganger. You need to go see uh, Black Widow. And sure enough... Um, uh, there it is. But this is, you know, beyond that, uh, this is really how I think most, most people think of me. Um, <laughs> which I, I think even earlier this year, there was some skit or something being done. And of course, Professor Leaf was Hagrid, uh, the groundskeeper. So, you know, ways I see myself, ways that I think um, my students see me. Um, so whatever. I hope you see me more as Keanu Reeves than Hagrid, but my guess is that's not the case. Uh, so my job here this morning is to talk about the part of the creed that speaks to the Holy Spirit. Um, so it, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, and the forgiveness of sins. Now to get into this, I would like to read a passage from Scripture this morning. Um, and then we'll, we'll take a little detour, and then we'll come back to this passage of Scripture, and I'll explain how it connects. And you'll probably see how it connects. I'm just going to read a little passage from Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. And they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. 
Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they invited him to stay for several weeks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we think about the Apostles' Creed, we have these words, Catholic uh, communion and forgiveness. But what I want to actually do is cheat a little bit and go to uh, a different creed. Go to the Nicene Creed. Because the Nicene Creed also speaks to the Holy Spirit. You can't see the, the red very well there. But you get this line which says, And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And if you don't hear anything else from me here this morning, I want you to hear that as we think about the role of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the biblical story, the Spirit is the one who is bringing forth life. We've been talking about the Trinity, we've talked about the Father, and we have talked about the Son, and we're now going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is while all three exist in this, this beautiful community, the Holy Spirit seems to be this kind of gushing outwards that is bringing forth this wonderful, diverse creation that the Trinity, God, invites to participate in the divine life with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at the biblical story, what's, what's fascinating is the different texts that as you, as you work through, you see how the, the Spirit is bringing life. You start in Genesis 1, and at the very beginning, you see that the Spirit is hovering over the waters. And you can read Genesis 1 in a way in which, out of order and chaos and darkness, the Spirit is at work molding and shaping and bringing forth the diversity of all of God's creatures. And then we find Genesis 2, and this is an icon of, of Genesis 2, where I have to say Adam is, is pretty buff there. Um, and it is, it is God breathing into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living being. This is what the text speaks to, that it's the Holy Spirit, it's the breath of God that is at work bringing life. And then we move, jump way ahead to Ezekiel 37, which is one of my favorite passages, the Valley of Dry Bones. And the the angel is speaking to Ezekiel and, and, and says, can these bones live? And, and tells him to prophesy to the wind. And you know already, you've heard how wind and breath and spirit are all um, kind of the same word. And what happens is this, these bones come together and the people of God are renewed and restored. And so we see the spirit in the sign of resurrection that we find in Ezekiel chapter 37. And then we move ahead to Acts chapter 2. And you know the story. You know of, of the disciples sitting in the upper room. And the Spirit is poured out on them. And they go out and they begin to preach, they begin to teach, they begin to speak in other languages. And what's fascinating when you read chapter 2 is as Peter is preaching, the author of Acts gives you this list of this whole diverse group of people who were there and who heard and who believed. So as we think about the power of the Holy Spirit and what the creed is trying to tell us about the Holy Spirit, what God is doing through the Holy Spirit is creating a new people, creating a new humanity, the humanity of Jesus Christ. And he's creating this new people from all kinds of of different groups of people, which brings us to the text that I just read. 
Now, I want to take a little bit of a detour. I know none of you have probably ever seen this movie, but there's a beautiful movie. It's a British film called Millions, and it's about this little boy um, who is sitting by, he creates this fort by the railroad tracks, and there's someone who's robbing a train of all of this, this money, and he throws the money off of the train, and it lands in this kid's uh, little fort that he had made. And he had just lost his mother, and so it's him and his brother and his dad, and his, his brother and, and himself have different ideas of what this money should be used for. His brother pays kids to be his bodyguards and kind of move them around from place to place, and he uses money to get access to different things. But this little kid uh, has this special thing happen to him where he is visited by the saints, so throughout the film, you'll see him, he meets Claire of Assisi, he meets St. Francis, and he takes his money and he goes and he buys these birds that have been caged, pigeons, and takes them out with St. Francis and he lets them fly. One of the more, I think, interesting pieces of the film is, is where uh, he is playing in the, uh, the birth pageant, the Christmas pageant. He gets to play Joseph, and he has to leave. And so Joseph himself actually steps in and plays himself in the Christmas pageant. But at one point, what's, what's interesting is um, Peter shows up. And the reason I share this with you this morning is when I come back to this text, when I think of Peter, this is what I think of. Because he walks into the kid's room, he's a fisherman, he's very blue collar, he's rough, he's gruff, his language isn't that great, and he's helping this kid think about, as the keeper of the keys, there's a key laying on the little desk there that he reminds the little boy that, to keep this key uh, safe, and then he tells him about miracles, and that, that maybe God is using him to... Um, create a miracle in the lives of people around him. Now, what does this have to do with the text? If you read chapter 10, what's fascinating is Peter is sitting there minding his own business, and he has this vision. And he's told to go to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is, is a Roman soldier. He's a God-fearer, so he knows about God, but he hasn't been fully included yet. And he's told to go there, and Peter's like, whoa, whoa, that, you know, this is unclean. I'm not supposed to dine with Gentiles. And you get this sheet that comes down filled with these animals that were unclean. And God says, anything that I've made uh, uh, clean, do not call unclean. And so Peter goes. And what's fascinating, and the part that I didn't read for the sake of time, is he, he, he meets these people. He sees Cornelius and his family. And he gives a sermon. And as he's giving this sermon, the Holy Spirit breaks out. Now, you can read that text however you'd like, so please don't, you know, this is how I read the text. I read Peter as this old blue-collar fisherman curmudgeon who all of a sudden looks around and is like, well, what are we going to do? I guess we've got to baptize these people. That this Jewish person who saw the people of God as being Jewish now sees the Holy Spirit is breaking in upon the Gentiles and that God is creating a miracle and that God is creating a new people and is creating out of these two groups something brand new. This is what Paul says in the book of Ephesians where he says the Holy Spirit is tearing down the wall of hostility. Those who were once out are now brought in. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit creates yet today. The Holy Spirit, if, if I get my slides going here, and there's a picture of Cornelius, um, as we think about these words, 
Catholic, universal. When we say that in the creed, what are we saying? We're saying that, that to be a part of the people of God doesn't mean you're male or you're female. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing to do with money. What it has to do is the Spirit has broken in and is reconciling all of us. And just like in Genesis, God is creating a new people now in Jesus Christ, which then leads you into the communion of the saints. That we are, and I hope you take this as a compliment, a motley crew here this morning. We've got a bunch of weirdos and freaks here this morning, because we're all weird, aren't we? If you really think about it. Every single one of us. And the Holy Spirit breaks into us in all of our weirdness and invites us to become a community of people. God doesn't want us to all be the same. God wants us to be able to love one another in all of our strangeness and all of our weirdness as a part of this communion of saints. You know what it also means? It means that in the, through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ, our God forgives us, reconciles us to God. But you know what that also means? That now as we live as a motley crew of people, as we're reconciled to God, we need to be reconciled to one another. We need to forgive one another. That true spirituality is living as a human being, loving God and loving my neighbor. It's realizing that you have now been forgiven in Jesus Christ, so now you must also forgive and bear with and put up with the motley crew of people whom God has put into your life. Here's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer who says, in the word of the Holy Spirit, or in the word, the Holy Spirit brings to human hearts God's love, which has been revealed in the cross and resurrection of Christ. The Holy Spirit brings us into community with God. In Christ, God loves human beings and opens the divine heart. And in giving God's own self to sinful human beings, God renews them at the same time and thus makes the new community possible and real. And so, to end... I thought it would be important to put some pictures up of the new community of Jesus Christ. What does it look like for us to live as a diverse group of people learning to love God and love our neighbor? And learning that the Holy Spirit comes and brings difference. That we're created different from one another. And that the Holy Spirit has broken down the walls of exclusion. And even though we keep trying... We keep trying to put up more walls. The Holy Spirit keeps breaking these walls down so that we might live as a community of God's people. So I want to end this morning by reading from a book that some of you will roll your eyes at because I try to make you read it in Christian Story 2. Julian of Norwich, The Revelation of Divine Love. Um, a woman mystic who has this vision and, and this revelation of the love of God. And this morning as you leave this place, I want you to be thinking about the Holy Spirit as the giver of life, the Holy Spirit who reconciles us to God and reconciles us to one another. And the Holy Spirit that has created you in all of your freaky weirdness and affirms you as a creature, a divine creature of God. I want to read this because I think it's easy to talk about this in terms of human beings, but Professor Talzma, if she were here, would raise her hand and she would remind me that this goes for the diversity of all of creation as well. And so let me, let me end with this reading where she uh, has this vision of a tiny, tiny little hazelnut. 
And I'll read this paragraph, and then I'll send you on your way. She writes this. In this vision, he also showed a little thing the size of a hazelnut in the palm of my hand, and it was as round as a ball. I looked at it with my mind's eye and thought, what can this be? And the answer came to me, it's all that is made. I wondered how it could last, for it was so small, I thought it might suddenly have disappeared. And the answer in my mind was, it lasts and will last forever because God loves it. And everything exists in the same way, by the love of God. And this little thing, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it, the second is that God loves it, and the third is that God cares for it. So now, if you haven't heard anything that I've said this entire chapel, I want you to hear this. Through the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ, God expresses God's love for you. You are loved. So go forth from this place in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, loving God and loving your neighbor. People of God, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.